Another thing that happened this week, which was a little interesting, we had a conversation about this at staff meeting, was a, um, a post on Temecula Talk. Now, I'm not a big Temecula Talk guy because it's a lot of griping and complaining, but, you know, this came in and had to do a little bit with us, so we saw this. Wow, just wow, this sign is disgusting. What? Now, yeah, I know, seriously. That's our billboard out there promoting the series, and we knew it would create some discussion. You know, it's given the state of the church, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, it would be a discussion starter. But to call it disgusting kind of shook us. Uh, and then we saw the 161 comments that poured in after that. One comment was somebody who, uh, who goes to, to Rancho. This series just started at Rancho on Sunday, and it's the best topic I've heard in a long time. Now, I'm going to try to get over the hurt of that. <laughs> like, what are you talking about, best topic in a long time? I kind of like the topic. And she went on to say, I loved almost every series. All right. I'll get over the hurt. Thanks uh, for creating so much attention. Hopefully, the publicity brings some people in to check it out. So uh, in all seriousness, people are coming, and they are experiencing something entirely unexpected, and, uh, and it's great. Another comment said this, God isn't disappointed in us, even when you turn your cheek to him. And I thought, okay, this is somebody who gets it, right? God is a heavenly father who loves us unconditionally. He's not pouty and frumpy and insecure. And, you know, if we're bad, he pours down wrath. And if we're good, he's like, okay, well, now you've appeased me. So here's some goodies. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy how we think of God. And that has an impact on our daily life. This person gets it. There's another post. I don't have it up here because it was taken down within a half an hour and we didn't screenshot the whole thing. But another post was from a person who was getting a tattoo next door. And, uh, and, and he makes a comment that I was getting a tattoo and I looked out the window and saw this billboard and was reminded that God loves me. And I thought that's very cool. I was uh, sitting next to him just getting some finished work on my tramp stamp, but uh, <laughs> had a good, good talk about that. <laughs> Another post uh, came in social media. I have never felt more accepted and at home. Rancho has changed the dynamic of our entire household. Thank you. I thought, that is really cool. You know, this is what's unexpected, where you can come to church and have a sense of home, and it's kind of this embrace, right, just as you are, right where you are, with all of, all of the struggles and all the questions and all the doubts, and, and we're just a family of faith getting together, enjoying God's love for us through Jesus Christ and enjoying loving each other in the world. It's really that simple. But in the church, there is a disconnect at best. You can call it a you know, a faction at worst, but there is a disconnect about who God is and his relationship with us. Uh, some in the Christian community believe that God's priority is obedience from us. There's a good chunk. It's an ever dwindling chunk of Christians who believe that God's priority is getting obedience from us, but you know, they're still out there and it's a, it's a, it's a very serious group, group of folks. God's priority is to get obedience from us. There's others, and we would consider ourselves among this, this group, is that God's priority is to give love to us. There's a big difference, a huge difference, in fact. It's almost like, like parenting. There are parent, parents who likely grew up in very strict and rigid environments whose parenting style is prioritizing obedience. We want a well-ordered household, and here are the rules, and here are the punishments, and here are the expectations. You meet those expectations, we'll be good. You don't meet that, those expectations, you'll be punished, and you know, there'll be some distance between us. There's a lot of people who grow up in that kind of a household. But then there are other parents who just want to love their kids. And yes, there's coaching. And yes, there's you know, maybe some discipline and, and, and punishment for sure. But it's in the context of love. We just want our kids to know how loved they are to grow up knowing and feeling and experiencing unconditional love. Let me put it to you this way. 
Prioritizing obedience usually creates judgment and fear. But prioritizing love usually creates relationship and mutual honor. Doesn't this sound so cool? And doesn't this sound so awful? This is, this is the normal environment for a lot of religious folks, but this is really what's emerging, not just here at Rancho, but, but nationwide and globally, there is a church that is beginning to emerge that understands that God's priority is to love us, not to extract obedience from us. He's a heavenly father, just as Jesus Christ himself described. And that's what this Unexpected series is all about. A couple weeks ago, we talked about unexpected grace. And then last week, we talked about unexpected honesty. We can be honest with each other in a culture of grace. Because if we embrace God's grace, we know that we don't have to pretend with each other. We don't have to pretend things are, are going well and everything's fine and our family's perfect and, you know, let's sing some Christian hymns and, and it's all wonderful. We can be real, authentic, and honest because we are all relying on God's unexpected grace. Today we're going to talk about unexpected kindness. Unexpected kindness. Kindness flows from grace. God is kind to us and we can be kind to one another in an unexpected way. So if you have your Bibles, you have your notes, uh, Colossians 3 is going to be our passage. Colossians 3 is actually based on Colossians 2. Colossians 2 talks about the gospel. It's the good news. It's the foundation of our faith. That God made you alive with Christ. We are forgiven and we are given eternal life purely by his grace. Nothing we have done. God makes us alive in Christ. He forgave all of our sins, canceling the debt which stood against us. And condemned us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. The reason why the cross is central to Christianity is because it is a reminder of how much God loves us. He took our suffering, He took our shame, He took our failures upon Himself, paid for it in full, rose again from the dead to give us the assurance that there is nothing that separates us from God's love. Nothing, not even our own failures. This is the good news. This is God's unexpected grace. And based on God's unexpected grace, there's a whole new life that emerges. A whole new life found in Colossians 3.10. You have put on this new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. God is loving, so there's a new life of love emerging. God, our creator, is kind, so there's a new life of kindness that is emerging. God calls us to live a new life of kindness. So what is kindness? It might seem you know, pretty easy to think of what kindness might be, but we're going to look at biblical kindness in Colossians 3. First of all, kindness is equality. Kindness is equality. It has to begin here. We have to treat everyone as equals. And this is, I know, very controversial. Even in our own country, we are, we are debating and dividing over how we treat one another, particularly people who are different than us. But listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Colossians 3.11. He's defining kindness this way. Here, here in, in a Christian community with the mind of Christ, here with the worldview of Christ, there is no Gentile or Jew. Race, ethnicity doesn't matter in the kingdom of heaven. We're all equals. Circumcised or uncircumcised, I know that sounds weird for those of you not, um, you know, really adept at biblical history, but people who are devoutly religious and people who are not so much the religious rule followers, I kind of take it like that. Barbarian and Scythian, now these are people who are known for being, um, you know, uneducated and they're, they, people just look down on these kinds of people in the first century. Slave or free, this has to do with economy and class and power, right? Christ is all and is in all. He's calling us to be unified. He's calling us to treat each other as equals. And that's really the entire thrust of God's word is towards the vision of all of humankind being equal, loving each other, and loving God. 
In fact, in Christ, we will all be equal and we will all be one. That's the entire narrative of the Bible. In fact, the last two chapters of the Bible give the image of what this looks like. And the image is this. God has one big house and everybody's in it. All tribes, all tongues, all nations. We're in it loving each other and loving God and being loved by God. That's the image. That's the vision of what God wants to do on this earth. It is astounding, the biblical image. It is so compelling. We will all be equal and we will all be one. Are we there yet in the world? Why are you quiet? <laughs> no, we are not there. I know you're just shocked by the question. Well, of course not. Uh, we have a long way to go, a long way to go. There's been a lot of healing in this world, a lot of unification in this world, but there's a long, long way to go. We're definitely not there yet. And we're not there in the United States of America. I, I would love to be able to say, hey, United States of America is leading the charge in considering everybody equal, but that is anything but the case. You can argue there've been some steps back lately that have been pretty serious. And in fact, so serious that the government is shut down right now as a result of the disagreements on how we treat one another. We don't have a government today, and there's some applause uh, last service. It was like, is that really a bad thing? <laughs> um, but it is incredible. That, that is just, that is just a, an illustration of, of how the disagreements can grow and pull an entire country apart to the point where the government shuts down over disagreements about how we treat one another. This little meme came in. I love memes and giphys and all of it. Have you tried turning the United States off and back on again? Little tech support for the United States. Well, that's off. Maybe control, alt, delete, you know, the USA, see what happens. We're a broken country and we're divided. We're divided and a lot of it has to do with how we treat people that are different than us. I'm gonna walk you through, through four minutes that I think this crowd's gonna really like. <laughs> I wanna introduce you to two people. On the left is Russell Moore. Russell Moore is white. Male, pretty well off, conservative, evangelical. To one quarter of the country, he is public enemy number one. That profile is public enemy number one. White, male, pretty well off, conservative. In fact, Southern Baptist doesn't get any more white evangelical than that. On the right, her name is Blair Imani. She's black, a woman, identifies as queer, and Muslim. To one quarter of the country, she and her type are public enemy number one. There are three very powerful industries that are dedicated to make sure these people hate each other. Three well-funded industries that spend their entire waking days ensuring these two hate each other. The political machine, the news machine, and the religious machine. They are very, very powerful industries that fuel hatred towards each other because it benefits them, and that benefit is money and power and prestige. And this is, uh, this is no conspiracy theory, whack job stuff. It, it's the reality. Analyze how politicians speak, not all of them, but some, most. Analyze the media machine, the, the, the news machine, and how they incite factions and anger analyze the religious machine, us against them. Those three very well-funded and powerful industries are dedicated to ensure these people hate each other. Do they have to hate each other? What's the answer? Can they be kind to each other? 
Can they be friends? That's been actually a source of some controversy today, I'll just be honest with you. Yes, they can be friends. Can they partner together in some common causes? Absolutely. Now, they're not going to agree on a lot. But there can be a kindness and there can be a dialogue and there can be a friendship. They can get to know each other's stories, right? And let's just say one of these two comes across a cause. We're going to feed and educate orphans in, in a third world country. Can they get together and say, you know what? We may disagree on an awful lot, but we're going to tackle this one. This is important. Let's do it. Can they do that? Of course. And how cool would that be? How cool would that be? In fact, I want to give some real credit to Russell Moore, the gentleman on the left. He's done great work at great personal cost to try to build uh, connections and relationships with people that are very much unlike him. In fact, he has quite a lot to say, um, uh, particularly about the plight of African Americans in America. He says, we may not agree in this country on every particular case and situation, but it's time we start listening to our African American brothers and sisters in this country. Now, he has gotten railed for this. He's, he's, he's received so much vitriol for building bridges with people who are sharing about, about their American story in their cities. And, and all he's saying is let's build relationship and, and let's get to know each other. Let's learn about each other's experience. And he has gotten heat like you would not believe. There's a little bit of a risk when it comes to kindness. It is so easy to say, I'm in this camp and these are my people. And that is your camp, and those are your people. And I'm very comfortable here and very uncomfortable there, and so we're just going to keep a little space. It is so easy to do that. In fact, um, I had a very fun meeting last week. I've spent, since my grace awakening, I've spent a lot of time and energy and effort trying to build friendships with people that are very much unlike me. And I'm telling you, it has been the most fun It is so much fun to get to know and befriend people that are unlike us, right? It is so incredible. I am just, I'm kind of, I'm at my fill with conservative white evangelicals. That's that's full. Like, I I got, covered, covered, right? There's a whole beautiful world out there just ready to engage and and love with kindness and relationship and friendship and partnership. And kind of newsflash, we don't have to agree on it all, right? But we can be kind and we can enjoy that. I had a meeting last Wednesday with five people very much unlike me. Uh, they are, they are, are, are activists um, in, in, in areas that, you know, I don't really naturally kind of flow in, but I'm, I'm sensitive to. Um, they are very, very diverse of the five. Um, two, two were male, three females. Uh, t- uh, one was, two were white uh, and three were uh, ethnically diverse. They were all from uh, inner cities. Um, th- uh, four of them were from the LGBTQ community and we met for two hours and it was awesome. We met by a Zoom meeting. It was awesome. And at the end of the meeting, we said, hey, maybe we can meet face to face in March. We said, hey, your place, New York City, I'll head out there. It'll be great. And, and it's just wonderful to be able to build relationships and friendships and even partnerships with people who are very much unlike us. And I think that's kind of what Jesus was getting at in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5.44, now Jesus was causing all kinds of problems because he was talking about the kingdom of heaven and people just have trouble embracing the kingdom of heaven. It's difficult. He says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And he said this to thousands of people who were being persecuted. So you can just imagine kind of the emotional response of kindness towards people who were their enemies and harming them, Right? Pray for your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. 
he causes. God causes his son to rise on, on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? So as we talk about kindness, there's a lot of us would say, hey, I'm totally kind. I'm the kindest of them all. I'm really super kind to people just like me. And Jesus says, uh, that doesn't count. Doesn't count. To be kind to people just like you doesn't count. It's too easy. There's no reward for that. Doesn't create, cause any work, right? Are, you, um, uh, are not even the tax collectors doing that? Tax collectors were the bad guys robbing from their own people. If you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Jesus says, everybody's kind to people just like them. That's no big deal. It's fine, but it's no big deal. The big deal is when we're kind to people that are very much unlike us. Kindness is equality, treating other people as equals. Kindness is also benignity. New word today. It was a new word for me a couple of days ago as I'm prepping. What I always do in, in Bible study is I look at the original language and the kind of the more nuanced definition of the, of the, of the uh, original language of the Bible and some cool things pop up. One of the cool things that popped up in the biblical definition of the word kindness was this word benignity. I've never heard the word benignity, but I thought because I'm super smart, that must be rooted in the word benign. And sure enough, it was. And I got very excited because usually I'm wrong on this stuff. But there's benign and then there's malignant, right? So if you've ever had a spot checked out, biopsied or a lump biopsied, you know the journey is a, is a scary one. I've had this happen. Um, my mom and my dad have also had that happen. There's a concern. For me, it was a, um, a spot here. And uh, it was taken out, excised, and, and analyzed. And then you got to wait three very long days. For me, it was over a weekend, and your head never kind of stops. And, and, um, and then you get the call. It's the doctor's office. Heart sinks. This is the moment, right? If you answer and there's a nurse on the line, you're like, oh, thank God, it's a nurse. Uh, you're wonderful, but I really don't need to talk to you. I know I'm good, right? <laughs> kind of kidding, but nurse calls when it's good news. Usually the doctor calls when it's bad news. And myself and my mom and my dad, the doctor was on the other line. And, you know, uh, yes, for me, it was uh, melanoma. For my mom and dad, it was other things that they had to deal with. And melanoma is not what you want to hear. And then you go to WebMD and you're dead in half an hour. So you're just like, okay. It's just kind of how that goes every, every page, so you're, you're dying. All right, so you, you go through that, and, uh, and then you kind of work the whole protocol, right? And uh, for me, it's five years, and it's examinations and uh, chest stuff and eye stuff, and I got through the five years, and my mom and dad are working through their programs as well. But that's malignancy. Malignancy means harm is being done, right? Uh, benign means there's no harm. So kindness is based on equality, and then it moves to this benignity, doing no harm, Doing no harm. And, and that's incredibly beneficial. I was at a um, funeral yesterday of Art Maciel, and I hadn't had the chance to know him, but I was at his memorial service and really got to know him through other people talking about him. And, and uh, from, his, from, from his own children, they were saying of Art, their dad, that he never said one unkind word to anybody his entire life. So can you imagine, these are adult kids with kids of their own. They were raised in a house where their dad never said one thing negative about any person for their entire life. And I thought, if this was me here being buried, would my kids be able to get up and say, I've never heard my dad say one unkind thing about another human being. And I had to think, well, then maybe they caught me that one time. And maybe they, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure I could say that. So I had some takeaways from that memorial service. 
I want that to be the goal of my life, never saying one bad thing about any person. It's extraordinary to be able to celebrate a life like that and to look at the kindness of God and then to look at how we're called to live with one another, benignity, never doing any harm. Colossians 3.12 says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, again, rooted in the gospel, rooted in the truth that we are loved by God dearly, here's, here's, the, here's the encouragement. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. There's a reason why I brought this blanket. It's not just that it's cold outside by California standards, like 53. <laughs> But it's the idea of clothing ourselves. Now, this is a blanket that is very precious to us. It's a Costco blanket. <laughs> to all the inferior blanket makers, we don't know why blankets for sofas are made to cover from your neck to your calf. It makes no sense. So when we saw this blanket at Costco, we got very excited, bought out the whole deal. It's like every one of us is getting a blanket. We're giving blankets out for Christmas presents. It is super cozy. It covers the entire body. Imagine that, a blanket covering the entire body. And, oh, it is so cozy, and it is so fuzzy. I mean, it's just really, really cool. I know you're jealous just me having this blanket. <laughs> Clothe ourselves with compassion. Now, by the way, this is how God clothes us. God says, listen, I know that you're kind of broken inside. I know that you have failed. I know, but I'm going to clothe you with my love. I'm clothing you with my kindness. And you are holy, and you are cleansed. You are white as snow. I know it's, it's ivory, but God's eyes white as snow, right? clothed with the love and grace and kindness of God. And because of that, God gives us this encouragement. Now, would you clothe yourselves in kindness and then wrap others with kindness? Would you be that cozy warmth of the kingdom of heaven to everybody who knows you, right? That's sort of the charge of the kingdom of heaven. You're loved so completely, it's a privilege now to love other people. You may know, based on some signs around here, that it is the 50th anniversary of Rancho Community Church, 1968 to 2018. Happy anniversary, Rancho. Very cool. We're going to be celebrating this whole year, big party in May. It's going to be tons of fun for sure. And we set aside 90 minutes as a, as a group to talk about the theme of our 50th anniversary, right? 45 seconds later, this comes up. Loving everyone, everywhere. And as soon as that was spoken, we're done. That's it. What are we going to do for the next hour and a half? You want to catch a movie, play around a round of golf? I mean, we were, it was over. It was over that fast. It just rolled off the tongue and rolled out of the heart for 50 years, loving everyone everywhere. Our founding pastor, Pastor Steve Strickman, is a man of incredible love. He followed his grandkids to Texas, and I got a chance to have lunch with him. He's in town and had uh, lunch with him the other day, and just such a loving, caring man, you know. And he raised up the next generation of leaders to be loving and caring. It's just been 50 years of loving everyone everywhere. And this is really dedicated on the foundation of kindness, equality and benignity, doing no harm. And so we've got to think to ourselves, are we doing any harm? You know, yelling creates harm. Can we tone that down? Name calling, cursing at people creates harm. Can we stop doing that? Gossiping about other people and slandering other people behind their back. I know it makes us feel good and superior and it's everything we want to feel, but we don't have to do that. That's unkind, right? It's malignant to do that. Reminding people of mistakes of their past and punishing them again and again and again for the same mistakes, that's malignant, right? We want to be benign, do no harm. So kindness is equality, kindness is benignity, kindness is also tolerance. Kindness is tolerance. Now very often we use the word tolerance these days about, hey, be tolerant towards people who are different than you. I do not like 
the idea of being tolerant towards people who are different than me. I want to celebrate people who are different than me, not tolerate them. Tolerance happens when somebody does something against us. They harm us. They offend us. Then we're called to be tolerant. Tolerant is the capacity to endure pain or hardship. It is about endurance, fortitude, and stamina. That's what tolerance is. And the biblical version of tolerance here is bearing with. We're called here in Colossians 3 to bear with each other in kindness. And so when I think about bearing with, I mean standing strong under hardship, I think of, I think of the hurricanes that unfortunately we endured over the last several months. And this image came from one of the hurricanes. There's 80 mile an hour, 100 mile an hour wind, and you're getting through it and you're standing firm. People are coming against you. They might have hurt you, right? They might not like you. They might be saying things about you. They may have harmed you in some way. You're not gonna get rolled over by them. You're gonna stand strong, but you're also not gonna attack them. Pain for pain, we're not gonna do that, right? It's a gospel community, gospel kindness, but we're standing strong. We're firm, we're dignified, we're not getting mowed over, but we're not attacking either. We're standing strong. That's what it means to bear with. Jesus says not only bear with, but actually forgive. Take that next step of forgiveness. Forgiveness means to treat people as though they never hurt you. Treat people as though they never hurt you. I wanna be very clear, this is a very precise definition of forgiveness. Forgiveness is not forgetting what we endured. When people say forgive and forget, it's like, no, don't forget. You are harmed. We need to learn those lessons. We need to feel that. We need to create healthy boundaries, right? Don't forget, but treat them as though they never hurt you. Forgiveness doesn't mean pretending we're not deeply hurt. I mean, a lot of us just kind of as a coping mechanism, oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, and just kind of suck it up. Well, it's not fine. If you were hurt, if you were offended, sometimes it's not fine. And be honest about that. Be authentic and real about that. Forgiveness doesn't mean pretending we're not hurt. Forgiveness doesn't mean that we allow ourselves to be hurt again. If I keep coming up to you and when I get to the three feet mark, you kick me in my shins, about the 22nd time I do that, I'm gonna start realizing, hmm, maybe I should stand four feet away from you, right? We learn our lessons. With hurt, we can learn our lessons and create appropriate boundaries. I'm not getting within three feet of you. You're gonna kick me in my shin again. But I'm gonna stand four feet away from you and treat you like you never kicked me in my shin. That's forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't mean we stay in dangerous relationships. We get out of those relationships, but then we treat people as though they never hurt us. We're smart, we're wise, we learn, we grow, we set healthy boundaries, but we forgive the way Christ forgave us. And forgiving the way Christ forgave us is, I mean, we're talking about 401 level, big time forgiveness, all right? We might not all be quite ready for this, but just walk through this and maybe at some point, you know, you'll be able to grab this. To forgive as Christ forgave us means that we were forgiven in Christ before we even failed. We were forgiven of every failure before the failure. That's how we were forgiven in Christ. That's why I love 2 Timothy 1.9. Grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. When were we forgiven of our failures? Before the beginning of time. We were forgiven of our failures before we were even a thought in our parents' mind. We were forgiven of our failures before we were born and before we failed against God. We were already forgiven. That's how God forgives us in Jesus Christ. That's extraordinary. And that's why I haven't said this in three years, so might as well say it now. We never have to ask for forgiveness. We never have to ask for forgiveness. We already have it. We were forgiven of our failure before we failed. God doesn't have some timeline up there saying, oh, you sinned against me? Okay, well, now you're separate from me. <laughs> God, I asked for forgiveness. Well, okay, I guess. Are you sincere? Oh, you're not sincere? Are you, you know... Are you going to fail again? Uh, I'm struggling. Uh, you know, I mean, our view of God is so odd. 
in the religious circles, right? God, his whole posture towards us is you're my perfect son, you're my perfect daughter, just as you are. And yeah, you're gonna grow a little and yeah, there's gonna be some back steps. You're gonna succeed, you're gonna fail. I just love you, I have clothed you with kindness. You're my perfect son, you're my perfect daughter. Let's walk this life together, right? Enjoy my unconditional love for you. When we have to ask for forgiveness, I mean, holy cow. That is just such an odd view of God. I have failed, I'm separate from God until I kind of earn my way back by doing my part. Oh boy. God forgave us of every single thing we would ever do. That's why we get a little weird on our timeline. How can Jesus, who died 2,000 years ago, forgive me of something I'm going to do this afternoon? What's the, how does that timeline work? You know, It works in that God forgave us before the beginning of time. And when he sent his son Jesus in time and space, that was his mark to prove how serious he is about forgiving us. It's extraordinary to know that we're forgiven completely in advance of our failures. So here's this 401 level reality about how we can forgive. To forgive like Christ forgave us means that we have not only forgiven everyone who's hurt us in the past, but we have already forgiven everyone who will ever hurt us in the future. Now, if you can imagine what that looks like, if you, you can right now forgive everybody who will hurt you in the future. You can do that right now. We might even have that as part of our prayer. And I, I want to I kind of demonstrate how cool this is. We can just apply this right in, in, in the family life. Every once in a while, my wife might say something towards me that's a little bit of a zinger. Uh, let's just say she doesn't mean it. And, and, and she says a little bit of zinger, and it kind of hurts a little bit, but I, I've already forgiven her of that. She's my perfect wife. I've forgiven her of that. So I can kind of feel that for a little bit, and then, oh, I've forgiven her. I already forgave her of that. I, I do this with my wife, and I can tell by the look in her eyes, I say something, let's just say it's unintentional, I say something that's kind of a zinger towards her, and I can see her face and her reaction, and she has this little thing with her eyes that she does, and, and then she processes, I've already forgiven this dummy, so we can just move on. Now, if there's things we need to talk about, we'll talk about them. But just the day-to-day -day little disconnects, right? I've already forgiven my wife of everything she will ever do against me. She's done the same for me. That's just a cool vibe. Same thing with our kids. You know, wherever our kids succeed, great. Wherever they fail, forgiven them before they were even born. That's the ideal. <laughs> it doesn't always quite work like that. But that's the ideal. That's forgiving as Christ forgave us. So forgiveness is, is really a, a key to kindness. Kindness is equality, benignity, forgiveness. And finally, um, kindness is peace. Kindness is peace that just radiates from love. Colossians 3.14, over every virtue put on love, which binds all virtues together in perfect unity. Later in Colossians 3, verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. We are members of one body. We're equal together. So if I, if I hurt you, I'm hurting not only part of my own body, but the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. If I hurt another member of the body of Christ, I'm hurting Christ, right? That, that's, the, that's the illustration here, that we're part of the body of Christ. We're called to love, and love is radiated through peace. Kindness is equality, kindness is benignity, kindness is forgiveness, and kindness is peace. Now to wrap this up, I know what we all might be thinking. It's a message on kindness, and I'm a pretty kind person. I've never met anybody who has said, you know what, I'm a pretty mean, rotten scoundrel. I've never met that person. I have sat down with serial hardened criminals who say, I'm a good person, I'm a kind person which I agree, totally you are, because I don't want to get a beat down. 
Everybody thinks they're a kind person, right? So it's really not about calling out unkindness or meanness. It's, it's really about together saying, how can we be more kind? How can we attain over time the kindness of Jesus Christ? So I'm going to give you just a couple things as we wrap. Be more kind at home. If you're a yeller, let's try to tone that down a little bit. Don't punish each other for it. You know, hey, you just got that. Just, just let's keep trying to tone it down. Uh, if you name call, use curse words, accuse, or punish people of past mistakes in your home, those are kind of malignancies that we can turn to more benign things and replace that with the peace and kindness of God. At work, at work, you can help other people succeed. Don't show up to work to just help yourself succeed and get ahead. Have your team succeed. Work for your team to succeed. Build relationships, not just coworkers, but relationships and friendships. Uh, support those who are struggling. As you, as you show up to work as a, as a caregiver, and this is what this conference is going to be about in February, you're showing up with the light of Jesus Christ. Notice when people are struggling. And you can tell you're with them every day. You can tell the look in their eyes and their countenance. Care for them. Be kind to your neighbor. They're not just the people who occupy the house next to you. Uh, they're, they're people, and they've got a story. Make friendships and live a lifestyle of help in your neighborhood. We can love the stranger. This is one of my favorites because when we're with strangers, you know, sometimes it's just a focus on self. And I may never see these people again, so I don't have to be kind with them. But I'm telling you, a lifestyle of kindness among strangers really helps to shape who we are. You know, if you're, if you're two-tenths of a second early to a four-way stop, just let everybody go. You, 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 you. Go, go, go. You're first, right? Um, if you're going into a restaurant, for me, it's taco shops. I only go into taco shops. There's no, really, I mean, what point is anything else? <laughs> going into a taco shop. And I, I always give myself too little time, and I'm going into a taco shop to grab a quick thing, and, and then there's a whole group of like nine construction workers, and I got to go faster because I can't get behind them. It's like, ah, go. <laughs> you know, just kindness at lines, kindness in grocery stores, kindness with doors, you know, just keep going, you first, you first. It's hard to do. When you're in the parking lot, you know, don't fight for the front, go to the back. You've heard me say this before. These are, these are things that shape a character of kindness um, when it's out there in the public, when nobody really may notice, and it's just things that you do privately to just say, just to bless somebody's day. And, and as you do that, bless people's day in the little, little moments, you'll see the smiles that you're created when you have a you first, you know, kind of culture and character. And I'm still kind of growing in that area, just kind of a personal challenge to, you know, be the kindest person in the neighborhood, and sometimes I succeed, sometimes I fail miserably, right? But just to have that vision, the kindest person at work, the kindest person in my neighborhood, the kindest person in my home, the kindest person in my church, the kindest person in public, and the kindest person to people in need. And we're gonna, we're gonna end on this, a specific challenge to help people in need, kindness for people in need. We do something unexpected every week during the Unexpected series, and this is totally just low-key. Do something if you can, don't do if you can. But we've got the Community Mission of Hope. We started it in 2009 during the Great Recession. We have 100 dedicated, faithful volunteers, and they don't get any you know, credit. They, they work in the Community Mission of Hope facility we've got across town and uh, another one at the Housing Crisis Center, and they work behind the scenes with such heart. 100 people put in about 1,000 hours a month. They distribute 50,000 meals a month. Uh, they counsel with about 50 people, 35 to 50 people at any given time who are just desperate. They're homeless or at risk of homelessness, and they are desperate, and they put the pieces together. They put the pieces together by partnering with, with resource centers, partnering with uh, program housing, uh, something like getting IDs, getting birth certificates, phones, car repairs, just putting pieces together so people's lives can be rebuilt. They keep families in their homes by giving them food, sometimes utilities, 
helping uh, uh, open a, a brand new home this last week for single women, training and mentoring volunteers, big events coming up next week for that, transitioning people into homes through Section 8 program housing or, or being reunited with family or um, addiction housing. These people are doing wonderful things. We have a very generous budget for, the C, for CMOH, but they are so active that budget is getting stretched. Maybe as an act of kindness, you can text in a donation to, to CMOH. Every text and donation today goes right to CMOH to give them a little boost. That number is 951-339-3551. Again, totally no pressure. We're not taking up an offering. We're just giving an invitation. If you, if you can't do it by text or you're a little uncomfortable with that, even though it's super secure, there's boxes in the back. You can always go on the website and CMOH is in the dropdown, Community Mission of Hope. We can express kindness through generosity as well, through our smiles, through our care, through our forgiveness, through our love, and even through generosity. We can be that warm, cozy blanket in our home, in our workplace, in our neighborhood, to the stranger and to people in need. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you for your kindness to us. You have wrapped us, clothed us in the warmth of your kindness, your forgiving grace. You forgave everything we will ever do before the foundation of the world. That's the depth of love that you have for your children. You're a heavenly Father who has already forgiven us of everything. Thank you that Jesus Christ, by his life, death, and resurrection, is that is that proof, that demonstration, as Romans says, the demonstration of your love for us that the Son of God would lay down his life to take the suffering of the world, the sin of the world upon himself, to pay for it in full, and to rise again from the dead, giving hope to this world. God, one day, all of humankind will be unified in their love for each other and in your love for them. But for now, we live in such a, a divided country over so many things, I pray that we would be beacons of the kindness of heaven itself that we would not only be clothed in kindness, but we would clothe the world around us in kindness, that we would love, that we would forgive, that we would bring peace, that every act of kindness that Jesus himself gave to us, we would have the privilege of giving to others, that people would know the unconditional love of Christ because they see that in us. In his name we pray and everybody said, amen. 